everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Black Case Diaries podcast. I'm Robin. I'm here with Adam and Marcy. Yay! Welcome, Yay. everyone. <laughs> yes. Okay. We are going to kick off our animation series. Hooray. Yay. Gotta love it. Ever since humans have been able to record images, we've wanted them to move. From cave paintings and carved ivory on strings to the blurred drawings of da Vinci, humans have been obsessed with their art coming to life for thousands of years. Today, we refer to this phenomenon simply as animation. Animated films today are the most lucrative kind in the business, earning the medium more respect with each passing year. This week, we're taking a look at the history of animated films and their evolution throughout early cinema. So bust out your flipbooks, pencils, and puppets, and clay, and it's time to get animated. Woohoo! Hey. Yeah. yeah. Party time. Woo! We are ge- generally, though, going to be talking about traditional 2D animation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, as far as this history lesson goes, it's the most prominent one. You mm-hmm. know, it's the, I guess, the easiest one to get into. Yeah. Maybe not the easiest one to to make it look good but you know <laughs> we actually are going to do episodes on the other mediums yes we will so uh, just this is the history of animation because as animation started it really was driven by 2d drawn animation and that's the story that we're gonna tell today so you guys excited here we go oh yeah let's dive in all right history Learning. (laughs) (laughs) See, everybody has a chance to learn, even when the schools are closed. That's right. (laughs) So what is animation? Animation creates the illusion of movement through still images. In this sense, it has been around since possibly the beginning of history. Paleontologists have uncovered carvings meant to hang from strings that could cast moving shadows on the wall. Spooky, kind of. <laughs> I imagine somebody who's never seen it seeing that and kind of flipping out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So one of these early animations is called the Magic Lantern. And I really, I just want to talk about this just for a second. It's because fitting. I love the name, yeah. the Magic Lantern. <laughs> In his 1645 book, The Great Art of Light and Shadow, Athanasius Kircher described a new invention called a Magic Lantern which was a box containing a light source and a curved mirror. Later, he explained that this could be used to tell a story to an audience. Even though some considered this witchcraft, scientists Mm. continued to experiment with the idea. Fifty years later, it was used to create the illusion of motion, and the first animated entertainments were born. Witchcraft. (laughs) Every time. Anything new. Witchcraft. (laughs) Witchcraft. Yeah, every everyone's picturing Frollo, correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. either so that or she's a witch. She's a witch. Oh yeah, that works too. During Victorian times, animation devices were popular were a popular form of entertainment for children and adults. For example, the phenakistoscope, aka the phantasmoscope or the phantoscope, used images painted on a spinning cardboard disc reflected in a mirror to create the illusion of animation. That's some fancy big words. Yeah. Yeah, this is... And you've all seen these because they're in lots of different movies. One, not exactly this device. In the movie The Prestige with Christian Bale, I think it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a character that has 
a device that it's similar to this, but it's not the same thing where it's a card and on one side it's a birdcage and the other side it's a bird. Oh, right. And they, you know, relax and, and then pull the string on either side and it, it flips fast enough, it, the bird appears to be in the cage. Trick in your eye. Yeah. Damn. So these devices are credited as the precursor to animation and more recently are thought of as the first GIF or JIF, however you say it. <laughs> so, but some people think of it, you know, because it's it's a very short, repeating, yeah, moving image. That makes and, sense. Yeah, and so it's kind of funny how, as technology is gone, we've gone back to this Victorian level of entertainment <laughs> where we're this just simplistic. Yeah, yep. we're just watching yeah. the same thing over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Eventually, this toy was replaced by the zoetrope. And then the, the Zoopraxiscope, invented by Edward Moybridge. Ooh, we know yeah, that name. Yeah. Moybridge. Moybridge, of My course, was a pioneer. Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moybridge, of course, was a pioneer in cinematography, which we talked about before. Yes. Yep. Yeah. He loved, loved those horses. <laughs> so how is animation different from regular film? There's a few things that are different, but there's two big ones. According to Charles Solomon in his book, Enchanted Drawings, animation is different from live-action film in two respects. The image is created on film frame by frame, and the illusion of motion is created rather than recorded. So the difference, you know, he kind of went on to say, the difference is that King Kong didn't actually scale that building until we saw it projected before our eyes. Oh, right. You know, but when you but when you are filming just people, like humans doing something, mm-hmm. let's say you fi- film a man driving a car. That man did, you know, Actually, in some sense, drive yeah. a car. You did see, you know, or he pretended to at least. But that f- action did happen. It was just recorded with animation. You know, it was piece by piece put together. Mm-hmm. And then we only saw it happen when it was projected. Right. Yeah, that's that's a really good way of looking at the difference between the two. Also, live-action film was exposed in takes that can vary in length and is projected at the same speed that it was recorded. In animation, each frame is exposed individually. Yep, because they're all pictures. Yep. Mm. And usually, uh, usually live-action is... Uh, uh, projected at the same rate that it was recorded. Right. Sometimes it's for trick stuff or right. special it's effects. True. Yeah. By this definition, recorded puppetry is not considered animation, but stop motion is. So if you're going to uh. follow this definition, you would say, you know, Jim Henson puppets is still live action. Right. Because that that's sense. happening in real time. But if you have Coraline... You know, and there's lots of different kinds of animation going on. Some of them are puppets, some of mm-hmm. them are just characters. And you, you know, moving things bit by bit, mm-hmm. you know, that is animation. Right. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So what was the first animated film, you wonder? I, I do hear, wonder, I Adam, hear tell you me. Wondering. <laughs> Adam, what was the first animated film? Oh, well, let me tell you right yeah. now. In 1906, J. Stuart Blackton released Humorous phases of funny faces <laughs> cute <laughs> it was a three minute silent short made with chalk in which drawings of faces and people were animated against a plain blackboard so you just straight up drew it on a blackboard and had a camera facing it and that was that 
Blackton's film, however, did consist of some p- small parts showing the artist's hand in the process of drawing or erasing images. It wasn't until 1908 with Phantasmagory that we saw the, f- the first short comprised entirely of animation, which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Some real early stuff. Uh, but after many shorts were made, finally, in 1917, the first feature-length animation was created. And no, it's not Snow White. <laughs> it was a film by the name of El Apostle. El Apostle. 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 Apo- whatever. Apostle. Originally shown to a South American audience, the film ran for 70 minutes at 14 frames a second for a total of over 58,000 frames. Which sounds like a lot, but by today's standards, that's not nearly as many. (laughs) Not only is it considered to be the first animated film, it is also credited as being the first profitable animated movie ever made. Not to say that it was a huge success, you know, it's not blowing any minds. Right, right. Not many people know about it, unfortunately, but, um, but you know, it was profitable. But unfortunately, the only copy of the film was destroyed in a house fire. And according to those who did see it, it was some type of political satire. Of course it was. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everybody loves. But unfortunately, it it will not be seen. That's very sad. It is very, very sad. <laughs> That's incredibly... That's a bummer and a half. I mean, the thing is, when it was made, you know... It probably took so long to make. They only did it once. Mm -hmm. And there was no way to digitally copy the movie or anything like that. So Right, 1917. Yeah, that one one version that that was made. 58,000 frames all lost. Oh, man. Man. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about some specific pioneers in animation. So Windsor McKay. Hooray. After J. Stuart Blackton essentially invented animated filmmaking, Windsor McKay showed audiences its artistic potential and inspired generations of filmmakers. Pretty much every filmmaker that every, that I read about, almost all of them said, I was inspired by Windsor McKay. Like every, <laughs> almost, oh, yeah. they all mentioned him every single time. A respected editorial cartoonist, he once said, I never decided to be an artist. Simply, I could not stop myself from drawing. Nice. (laughs) Super passion. Yeah, mega passion. McKay believed that he invented the animated cartoons as flipbooks. The newspaper would print these, you know, cartoons that he had drawn in succession. And so they would have children cut those out and then bind them together and make make flipbooks. That's pretty great. Yeah. And those are generally were used for advertisements, but still very, honestly, a very effective way to advertise. Yeah. It's very smart, yeah. you know, because it's interactive and the kids will remember that. Yeah, forever. it's novelty and it's some fun. Yeah. yeah. Looking at his comic strips, it's easy to tell that McKay was thinking about animation. He would make only slight changes from panel to panel instead of using one panel for an entire scene. Nice. That's rarer for today, even. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There was one that I read about where it was a man sneezing. And it was the whole panel was just him sneezing. Wow. And so with each... Not panel, I'm sorry. The whole strip was him sneezing. So with each panel, he was just moving a little bit more and more. And then finally, at the end, when he has this blow, big sneeze... It breaks the panel, and then he's sitting there, 
it, uh-huh. with the broken panel pieces all over them. It's, wow. Yeah. Clever. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a real build up to a big sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> his first animated film was Little Nemo in 1911, based off of his wildly popular cartoon strip. McKay made 4,000 drawings for the film on rice paper and timed movements to the second with his stopwatch. Wow. He would do, he would make little etchings, little crosses on the pages to line them up to make sure that the drawings were. We're the same. And a lot of these, we'll mention this later, but a lot of these techniques that he used, everybody else started to use later on. You know, this is, this was someone really taking it, taking the medium after it had been created and running with it. Yeah. Perfecting it. Yeah. This was the first animated picture to contain fully rendered characters, and audiences had never seen any animated, any, any animation move so smoothly and realistically. Some even thought that he had used live actors and trick photography to make the film. Wow. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. People didn't believe it. Because the characters, I, th- I think, in this were human, but they were mm-hmm. just silly looking. Yeah. And they just thought, no, this is not a cartoon. This is... It's just, it's moving. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those uh This is one of, those, one of those moving pictures, yeah. <laughs> McKay's animations are considered to be 70 years ahead of their time. Whew. I cannot express how advanced he was because he was so ahead of everything that came directly after him. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he was so good. And then it just, you know, no Ugh. no one tried to achieve what he achieved directly after. They all just found a way to make the cartoons and make them fast and make money. And Oh, man. Uh, I know. It's a bummer, isn't it? Sorry. Uh. some believe his greatest achievement was in 1914 with gertie the dinosaur hooray (laughs) we already we actually talked about gertie a little while back we did our dinosaur movie dinosaurs episode Mm -hmm. yeah this time audiences understood that this was animation and gertie still exists as a symbol of the prehistory of life and the prehistory of animation No one knows why McKay stopped animating, but many assume it was his displeasure with what animation was becoming in the 1920s. At a dinner in his honor, he was remembered saying, animation should be an art, and that is how I conceived it. But as I see what you fellows have done with it is making it into a trade. Not an art, but a trade. Bad luck. Ouch. Imagine, this is, I just... This dinner is in his honor. Like they yeah. are, they are throwing a dinner to honor him, <laughs> and all of these people that were inspired by him are yeah. all in the audience. Oh. And he comes up and he's just like, <laughs> "You guys ruined animation. Yeah. You guys <laughs> oh are crap. God. Y'all what are you suck. doing? Yeah. So just to take a step back here, some of the things that he did with Gertie the dinosaur are were absolutely groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. He would he created a whole show a whole vaudeville show with Gertie and he would interact with her (laughs) and he would time his own breathing and speaking so that he knew exactly how to time her and her animations. That's so cool. Yeah. So that way he would talk to her and she would seemingly respond to him. And he even had an apple that he would feed her. So he would put the apple to her and put it behind the screen and then she would have an apple in the animation. So it looked like he just fed her the apple. Wow. 
And then he would jump. He would jump behind the screen, and then he had his own an animation of him riding on her, and, and they'd ride off and stuff like that. Aww. Dang man. Yeah, yeah. He really a, was like yes ahead of it all in our taste. Yeah, too. and that's really because that really reminds me of stuff that Disney did later on, mm-hmm. much later on. Yeah, yeah. Love to have cartoons mixed in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Ugh. Yeah, so back to this dinner. Um. <laughs> oh, devastation. Yeah. I mean, it just like, oh, wow, look, that's my hero up there. Yep. Y'all suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Mic drop. How but, many people yeah. How many people quit animation after that? I, I mean, wonder. and that's the thing. Like, I, I think that would make me want to prove him wrong. That yeah. would make me want. Yeah, hopefully. That would make me want to go, hey, you know what? He's right. We should be focusing on quality, not quantity, mm-hmm. you know? But I think it's just that he was an idealist, and he had the ability to focus all of his time and energy on making animation an art form. And mm-hmm. these other people, these young guys working for these studios, they didn't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that ability, you know? They were tra- also trying to pay their bills while doing something that, something that they love. Mm-hmm. It, and we're all trying to do that now. So, right. You know, it's it's tough. But I, I think the frustration was mostly with the people who had created those studios. And, it, and I totally see where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. 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 Because, and I'll explain now. <laughs> <laughs> so the car, the cartoon boom is what I called it. I don't know if, if there's something else called Coined. the cartoon boom. Or- Coined here. <laughs> Black Case Diaries. <laughs> McKay bemoaned the new industry of animation as the processes became streamlined and animated shorts were everywhere. The novelty of moving illustrations had worn off and people didn't take the medium seriously anymore. This is an attitude that is still somewhat prevalent today. It's their fault. It is. They're the reason why people don't take animation seriously. And why it can't win Best Picture. <laughs> back back in the 1920s, they churned out so much animation that people were sick of it, and it was all the same. Yeah. It all looked the same. None of it, and that's, that's why he was so frustrated, because he had done, he would do things like, he drew all those, Gurgi the Dinosaur and his Nemo, all of that he drew himself. Yeah. One person. Wow. Making these movies and that was how dedicated he was. Mm-hmm. And so then he's seeing whole studios doing shorts the same length with a bunch of people in like, and in a couple days. Yeah, and you know it's just to him it was like what, <sighs> you know this isn't an art anymore. Yeah, and, and that it's crazy because he he saw it as an art, and I don't think I mean. I think that a lot of people do consider it art and art now, especially a lot more than they did back then. Mm-hmm. I think it depends a little bit because I would still say that, like, you know, the yearly, bi yearly Disney movie may not necessarily be as artful as others. Right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, some indie studio that puts their heart and soul into one project, like Klaus, that came out last oh, christmas yeah, Klaus. like it's so unique and 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 yeah. one of a kind style that kind of stuff that might lean more heavily as like yeah that's art right but mm-hmm. frozen 2 while <laughs> still being a very good movie may not right be you know it may not have the same feel but then then again i could be wrong we could go talk to the animators who right. worked on it and they have just as much passion i mean i think that those animators do i mean i mean when you look at just at least the difference between frozen and frozen 2 and right. uh, you know 
some of the th- the changes that they made and advances and stuff. But I think that a lot of the time the animators don't have as much say. True. About the looks of it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Someone's doing character design, obviously. But then beyond that, it's like, mm-hmm. well, this is going to be a 3D animated movie. Yeah. You guys, right. you know, you follow, follow yeah. these rules. Essentially, there's always a higher up. Always somebody telling you, okay, mm-hmm. I want it this way. You know, make and, it and happen. I think in the case of Frozen 2 might be a, a sign of like, yeah, they can still have some fun with it. They can still do a little bit of craziness with the art side of animation. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of Disney movies have it. You know, there's the elephants on parade yeah. um, from Dumbo or the Kristoff uh, song yep. mm-hmm. in Frozen 2, you know, where they kind of go a little fun with it yes. and they kind of yeah. have yeah. fun with the animation. When me and Adam watched all the Disney animated classics in, in a big succession, yep. we noticed the pattern of a lot of different things. And one of them is in every animated movie – there is a moment where the animators are showing off and they're yeah, having fun. Yeah. And so that that's what he's talking, you know, that's what you're talking Very about. Very much in Disney mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. And it's it, just so that every, if you're listening, so look for that. Mm-hmm. Every time. They, they don't happen as often in Pixar movies. I noticed no, there are a lot no. more in Disney movies, but it's just a moment where mm-hmm. you'll see there's a big block of animation. So. Yeah. The, I think the thing about Pixar is their whole movie tends to be very beautiful and, yeah. and, and fancy. So they don't like their yeah. story is so tight. It. Yeah. They don't really have like time yeah. <laughs> for that. You know? Yep. So thousands of cartoons were created between nineteen thirteen and nineteen twenty eight, though only about two hundred remain in distribution. Oof. Yeah. The records of their creation have long been destroyed, as studios were constantly merging or dissolving, and because of the lack of serious attention, no one thought to rescue the records. Man, that's that's yeah sad. Many times, more than one studio would use the same characters, and credits were given casually. Hmm. Imagine a time. <laughs> Imagine a time when two or three mm. studios are making Mickey Mouse. I mean, it, it wasn't done with Mickey Mouse, right. but like As it was example. before that. But mm-hmm. yeah, but you imagine Oof. any any property now being used by several studios so and no one cares. Yeah. yeah. Four years after Gertie, there were a dozen animation studios in New York alone. Techniques that McKay refined were used to streamline the process, and Raoul Barre created the peg system that would hold paper in place on every drawing board. This system is in place today. Yep. I remember when I took an animation class in college and we used those very same things. Yep. I was like, what? And then I never realized, because I'd seen the paper before with the weird hole punch pattern at the top. I was uh-huh. like, what? Why is it so weird? Like, no binder looks like this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but then it fit perfectly snuggly on this mm-hmm. this light board. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, it's for animation. Yeah. How cool is that? It's so, super yeah. cool. Yeah. Beret created the first animation studio and was one of the biggest names in silent animation, along with John Bray, a.k.a. the Henry Ford of animation. Uh-huh. He was called the Henry Ford of animation because of his assembly line techniques and animation factory instead of a studio. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that's a compliment or... <laughs> it's not. It's not a compliment. No. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Bray also realized that any innovate that any innovations could be patented. Also a bad thing. Mm. After Earl Hurd patented the use of clear cells in animation, oh. he teamed up with Bray 
and they essentially had a monopoly on the animation process and forced other studios to pay licenses and royalties. Much of what he claimed to own really belonged to McKay. Bummer. Wow. Yep. What a... I can't imagine but animating But McKay didn't without... care. <laughs> it was the thing. Like, he yeah. didn't give a shit anymore. I can't imagine animating without a clear cell. Like, yeah. just think about how they do it, right? Mm-hmm. With the backgrounds and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. being able to see the previous frame in some cases and mm-hmm. oh man yeah. yep but the process was pretty new and they were able to patent it and then yeah oh yep 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 so it's definitely wow. not art at this point yes <laughs> no and not not now not anymore nope. yeah at one point actually he tried to sue mckay really yeah he did he actually did and he had to settle out of court and in mckay's what a son of a bitch yeah he wow it was so clear that he that mckay hadn't yeah that they (laughs) did mckay actually for a long time got royalties on all the things that bray made because of that because of it wow that's good at least yeah Yeah. i'm glad yeah it was kind of a slap yeah on the wrist kind of thing yeah like like, don't are you kidding me don't recite the ancient scripts to me witch (laughs) (laughs) i was there when it was written (laughs) yes the most popular and successful cartoon of the silent era was felix the cat his true creator was unknown until the 1970s. It's wow. a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. This cat is so cool. Who did it? Uh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's pretty much how, pretty much no one knew for some reason. that A historian had to go through and interview a bunch of old animators oh, to find out. Wow. wow. I wonder if there'll ever be a time where a historian goes and tries to find who made memes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That would be impossible. Oh, it would be. (laughs) Otto Mesmer, a cartoonist turned animator, created shorts for Paramount Screen Magazine with the then unnamed Felix the Cat. A producer later gave the cat his name, a play on the Latin words cat and luck. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Felix is all black because Mesmer didn't want to draw outlines. (laughs) Smart. Smart. (laughs) Originally, he was angular and dog-like, but another animator helped him refine Felix to the rounded shape that we know today. What set Felix apart was his facial expressions and his unique character movements, originally inspired by Windsor McKay. In the 1920s, he was the most popular cartoon character in the world. Nice. I'm sure everyone has seen at least one little snippet of felix the cat yeah we've all seen yeah. it's a picture of yeah him. yeah yeah and or, if you haven't google him yeah i yeah. think yeah if you if you see a picture of him you'll immediately know you'll be, oh oh that's, that's felix the cat yeah. yeah i mean he was made into a clock a lot uh, yeah oh, that's right yes with the eyes <laughs> i forgot that yes. was him yeah yes the wonderful wonderful cat <laughs> <laughs> Because of these silent animations, audiences were accepting of the wild expressions and movements of cartoons to come. As Solomon wrote in his book, Enchanted Drawings, like I said before, without Dinky Doodle, Colonel He's a Liar, (laughs) Bobby Bumps, Oswald Rabbit, Felix the Cat, and and Coco the Clown, there could never have been Mickey Mouse, Bugs Bunny, Donald Duck, Tom and Jerry, Betty Boop, and Wally Coyote. Very, very nice. Those names are great. Yeah. <laughs> they are. So I know everyone got a little tired of animation. I read one of the books I read. They said that it got to a point, got so bad, 
that audiences would see the animation before the movie and you would hear a, a, an audible groan from the audience. Oh. People were so tired of animation. Yeah. Wow. And really, again, I blame them. Like that's <laughs> that's the reason why people don't think it don't take animation seriously. Oh man, such a bummer. <laughs> it is. It reminds me of the video game crash. There was a, it was the same thing. Uh, I, there were so many mm-hmm. games being made that were absolute trash mm-hmm. that people just didn't care anymore. Like the the famous one. Sorry, this is kind of a tangent, but the famous one they made one for ET mm-hmm. for the Atari. And um, oh yeah, you've heard of this one. Yeah, it was such a disaster that they they and they overestimated how well it was going to sell. Mm-hmm. So they just had zillions of copies left and they <laughs> buried them somewhere. Yeah, they had oh. to like bury them in a pit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> jeez. I guess it didn't get that bad here because animation is still <laughs> right. Well, video games are still around too, but right. You know. So another big guy in animation is. Max Fleischer. He emerged also around in the 1910s. And of course, who was he inspired by? But the one and only Windsor, Windsor McKay. That's right. And his Gertie the Dinosaur. Hooray. I'm so glad that dinosaurs are such a big part of this. <laughs> this is wonderful news. I know. We've said dinosaur more in this episode than many of our others. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Unlike Disney, Fleischer's cartoons were darker and showed the realities of living in the Depression era. Although they were darker, they also brought hope and laughs with them. His philosophy was, if it can be done in real life, it isn't animation. Oh, interesting wow. way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. yeah so. And he, he went by that with all of what he did. So when he was asked about his art career, he joked in his 1939 biography that as he began art as early as when he scribbled on the wallpaper next to his crib. <laughs> so he was in deep with the art. <laughs> sure, yeah. How, how much does that crib go for? <laughs> he was so willing and eager to learn about becoming a cartoonist that in the early 1900s, he wanted to watch cartoonists work so badly that he was actually willing to pay $2 to sit and watch them. Wow. Aww. Yeah. Two whole dollars. Two whole dollars in a the week. Ni- in the early 1900s. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he was, he was gunning for it. <laughs> Luckily, though, the Brooklyn Daily Eagle gave him a job of errand boy for $2 per week instead. Nice. So he ended up making money. Good. <laughs> instead Good of paying him. money. So So this is where he learned and picked up very valuable information about things like photography and photo engraving, which would help him later. Yeah. In just one year, he was promoted to the art department, where he would create one panel cartoons under the pen name Mac. He then later would begin making multi-panel cartoons and became the youngest cartoonist as just a young teenager, making two such as Little Algae and then also E.K. Sposher, the camera fiend. (laughs) Wow, what a heck of a name. (laughs) I wonder what E.K. stands for. You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like... Some, it it just sounds, sounds like cool. a detective or something. Yeah. 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 E.K. Sposher's on the case. 
<laughs> the case of the camera fiend. Yes. That's right. He he was very into mechanics and inventions and items like that, which we'll see later. Even at this time, he was already planning on making moving cartoons. Throughout his career, he had the chance to patent inventions such as a non-yellowing touch-up paint, but he never did. His reasoning was to keep these things as a trade secret to make his work stand out and not be exploited for others' use. Uh-huh. Hey so, Yeah, he had a much different view on, yeah. on patenting. <laughs> One item that he did patent, however, was the amazing rotoscope, which, which was simply described as a method of producing moving picture cartoons. This name is explained by possibly two things. The literalness of the rotation of the projected film during tracing, but it also could come from the name of an intaglio printing process called rotogravure, which Fleischer learned about at the Brooklyn Daily Eagle while engraving photos for the newspaper. Very nice. Well, thank you for creating the rotoscope because that's an awesome invention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Around 1918, Fleischer was hired by Bray oh boy. as production manager, yes, <laughs> whom he had actually met while working for the Brooklyn Daily Eagle years before. With Bray in his studio, he worked on many projects, but the most notable was Out of the Inkwell, which consisted of shorts that were a combination of live-action footage and animation. His brother Dave was also involved and would direct these shorts. <laughs> In 1921, however, it was clear that Fleischer's ideas were straying from the ideas of Bray. And so when his brother Dave won $50,000 on a horse race, he matched, <laughs> yes. Holy cow. He matched Max's $800 <laughs> in the startup of Out of the Inkwell F- Films Incorporated. This allowed them to pursue their own artistic innovations. And their other brothers, Charlie and Joe, would also come in and help with things such as mechanics and electrics. That's awesome. That is cool. But what the heck horse race? How much do they have to put down? <laughs> That's a good question. To in, win that much. In like 1921. Yeah, yeah that, is, that is a super good question. <laughs> I And... Also, I think it's cute that they started their own little studio together. Yeah. yeah brothers. That's great. A little family. Much business. like another pair of brothers <laughs> that, we, that we that we know about. I when I was reading the book about Max Fleischer, they were very they they were really clear that they wanted people to know like, you know, he was just as good as Disney. Yeah. He just didn't get the press. Yeah. <laughs> didn't get the esteem. You know, yeah. we 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 realize that there are a lot of animators yeah. yeah then and now that were just as good if mm-hmm. not better in some cases right and as disney especially during this time when everything was brand new and things were being done for the first time right all of the notes that were being taken and <laughs> all of the ideas mm-hmm. a lot of it's gone mhm yeah. We don't know a whole lot about this time because <laughs> yeah. people weren't taking it seriously very much, and especially in this in this silent era. Mm-hmm. So it is silent in like the early sound. So it, you know when Disney emerged, 
Yeah. He emerged at the right time. Yeah. The, the moment when people were taking notice of things. And not to diminish his accomplishments. Right. Mm-hmm. right. But, you know, that that's par- probably part of the reason that yeah. we don't know about some of these other people. Yeah. And that's why we did this episode exactly. so we can talk about those people. Yeah. And it really reminds me of the camera and how there were so many inventors of oh, the yeah. camera. Yes. Yeah, that, yeah. You end up with one side of a story right (laughs) i was reading about you know we were talking about those old victorian toys that did motion and uh, you know one person's perspective was this was such a this was such an inevitable invention Mm -hmm. because two people made it at almost exactly the same time in different countries yeah and that's how it is sometimes you know so so the man the myth (laughs) the legend (laughs) so obviously the biggest name in animation is walt disney but you already knew that no one can question the impact that disney had on the on animation and on the film industry in general it was all the way back in 1922 when disney animated his first short film little red riding hood (laughs) don't i i didn't even know then he, he like started that early, you know. Oh I yeah, in like thought, the early twenties. Yeah, I always thought, you know, oh Steamboat Willie, mm-hmm. the Skeleton Dance. Yeah, yeah, things. the Silly the, Symphonies yeah, of the nineteen thirties. That's yeah. where he started, right? No, no, no. He started earlier than that. <laughs> but the very next year, Walt arrived in California, where he made a cartoon called Alice's Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be confused, right? <laughs> he would go on to use this as a pilot for the series called Alice Comedies. A distributor in New York, M. J. Winkler, con- contracted to distribute the Alice Comedies in October on October sixteenth, nineteen twenty-three. This date would become the start of the Disney Company. Oh, boy. Da, 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 da. Oh. It was originally known as the Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio, where Walt and his brother Roy were equal partners. The name was soon changed to Walt Disney Studio, actually at Roy's suggestion. Yeah. Which is very interesting, yeah. Yeah. So I Yeah, I always felt like Roy really supported his brother and mm-hmm. was really proud of Big him time. and just was yeah. because I remember after Disney died, Roy kind of stepped in and did a lot of the promotional work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You remember all those videos? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, hi, I'm Roy Disney yeah. and I'm here, you know? Yep. And so, Aww. yep. Um, Roy did a lot of the finances yeah. for the company is like, not only for the animation, but even as far as like Disneyland when they were doing all that kind of stuff. So he really supported Walt in letting him go right. nuts yeah. was, creatively. Yeah. Was Roy older? Do you know? Um, I don't know. I don't know either, but I do want to <laughs> say that behind every Walt Disney, there's a Roy Disney. Yes. Absolutely, yes. Fast forward to 1928. The one and the only Mickey Mouse made his debut in a six-minute short called Plain Crazy. <laughs> However, the first short that was more widely distributed was, of course, the famous Steamboat Willie, critically acclaimed for its breakthrough edition of Synced Audio. Yay! We all know this one, right? (laughs) (laughs) When you were researching Disney, did you ever come across Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? A little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mickey was originally kind of conceived as Oswald the Rabbit, and... 
and it's fun how they've kind of reintroduced him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I don't know how recently, not too long ago. They've kind of like, yeah, he's another character. There he is. Yeah, but he's, you know, he's become part of the Disney family of characters. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny because Mickey was originally like yeah. just replacing him. Uh, yeah, you know? because Walt lost him by accident. Like <laughs> oh, he no. like he went I didn't in see that part. he went in to sell him to to a studio and they tricked him oh. into signing the rights over oh. to uh, of, uh, so at, at some point Disney got the rights back. Uh-huh. But at the time and because they waited until no one cared anymore cuz I think Oswald was a silent film character. Uh-huh. And then yeah, when all of that was said and done and nobody cared about silent <laughs> stuff anymore, they got it back. Yoink. Yeah, and that, he learned a lesson, and he never let it happen again. He yeah, never sure let anyone take stuff from him again. That's mm-hmm. right. But um, I, I actually like Mickey more. Mm-hmm. Not, I maybe it's because of like a little bit of rose tinted glasses or something. Like you know, <laughs> Mickey is just the character that we all know and love, and yeah. he didn't. Nobody really knew about Oswald until later, right? right? But. I think Mickey's just a little bit better designed. He's got a little more to him. I don't know. I think, too, I I don't know. Obviously, I think the character would have evolved anyway. True. And would probably eventually have become Mickey. True. So. Mickey Mouse was an immediate hit and a lengthy Mickey Mouse cartoon, a lengthy series of Mickey Mouse cartoons followed. Um, Plenty plenty of them exist voiced by disney that's himself. right he voiced yeah, yeah. he voiced mickey mouse himself with disney not being one to rest on his laurels he continued to innovate and succeed in animation with the release of silly symphonies in 1929 the series was crucial in giving audiences something to smile about during the great depression yeah this was a kind of mishmash of of shorts um, like the skeleton dance that I mentioned yeah. earlier. Um, the skeleton dance and the three pigs being two notable entries. Right. We actually mm-hmm. talked about these during our Disney Halloween episode. That's right. And another one was the the birds. <laughs> the birds in the windmill. That was yeah, another one. Yeah, the old mill. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, uh, the three little pigs actually won the Oscar for best short film in 1933. Wow. Just cool. best short film, not even best animated mm-hmm. short film. Wow. It was that. It was that good. And I believe it's the one. I believe we've seen it before. It has the the big bad wolf and all that Who's stuff. Who's afraid of the big bad yep, wolf? That's the one. Yep. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it sounded like it was in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Pillsbury Doughboy. Not I. <laughs> <laughs> so the next big chunk that we all are that we're talking about <laughs> is, of course, Snow White. Toward the end of the 1930s, Disney was motivated by a desire to reestablish his company as the leading animation studio. Because with all of the short films being worked on by other people alongside Disney, he -hmm. had like some of the best stuff, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, knocking it out of the park every time. Everybody had their own good animations too. And there was, there were, especially like in the 20s and then a little bit in the 30s, there were a lot of studios. Oh yeah. A lot of animation studios. A lot of people were, I mean, because these... A lot of these abilities were getting, you know, passed around and people knew how to, you know, animate. Mm-hmm. He believed that animation was strong enough to keep the attention of audiences for a feature-length amount of time. Brand new text techniques were even used to create realism in animation that hadn't been seen before. 
They were first shown in the thing you mentioned earlier, Robin, the old mill, which marked a defining moment in animation history and was at the time the most technically advanced short. Nice. Yeah, the old mill's beautiful and sad. It is. But it is it's it's nice. <laughs> it is nice. And if you look closely, if you if you go from the old mill to, to Snow White or mm-hmm. vice versa, they have a they have a very similar similar feeling to Right. Them. I also just want to say too that, you know, a lot of this is also also stems from uh Windsor McKay too. Oh yeah, yeah. Because, you know, a, a lot of these things, I mean, these are really advanced for the time, but everyone had pretty much forgotten that all of his stuff even existed. Right. Mm-hmm. So when they saw this and they said, "Oh wow, so advanced," you know, it was probably <laughs> about probably about on par with it. True. So it, yeah. it's stuff like that had existed, but they just were like, you know, yeah, it's psh- new again. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a remaster. Exactly. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was a huge risk and a financial gamble for Disney. Many, including the New York Times, were skeptical that the studio could live up to the quality of their short films, some going as far as to call it Disney's folly and expecting it to flop. Yep. I mean, looking back, you're like, these people were complete idiots, right? Right. (laughs) Thinking it it was going to fail. Yeah, but there's so, you know, I mean... It may, it, I don't know. I understand why people thought oh, yeah, it, it yeah, was a big yeah. risk. I mean, again, because we talk about, we mentioned that people don't take animation very seriously. It was a lot worse in 1937. <laughs> people took it way less seriously in 1937. Yeah, so, you know, the idea that audiences would actually pay to see a, a movie for 60 minutes. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, they just they didn't <laughs> think it was a thing. Yeah. But they did. People paid money mm-hmm. just to see it fail. Right. It was kind of a combination of people who did end up wanting to see it and mm-hmm. people who were like, ah, oh, let's go see the worst film of all time or whatever, <laughs> you know, just to laugh at it. But even his wife, Lillian, was quoted in saying, no one's going to pay a dime to see a dwarf picture. <laughs> that's harsh because both she and Roy were like no don't do this <laughs> this is too risky they're worried about it you know this is gonna this is gonna tank and if if it had it would be a completely different world we live in right now yep it all came down to Snow White because Snow White cost over six times its initial budget as between 750 and 1,000 animators were hired to finish it. The estimated budget ended up being $1.7 million, and Disney even remorgaged his house in order Damn. to get it done. He had a lot of faith Can in you, it. You, <laughs> hindsight is twenty. Bless his wife <laughs> yeah. for that moment. I mean, yeah, they're still in the Depression. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the end of the depression, True. but it's still the depression. It, like e- even if you were on the way up, it just happened, so <laughs> nobody's like, uh, yeah. everybody's yeah. really nervous uh, about it. Is what? this real? Are you sure you yeah. want to remortgage your house? Everybody's still saving canned. Yes, items. yeah, <laughs> and they would be for the rest of their lives. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> burning cash in the stove because it's <laughs> worth more as fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, but. Lucky for Disney, the film was an overwhelming success and set a new sky-high standard for all animated films to come. 
Right. And we have to remember this wasn't this wasn't the first full length featured That's anime right. feature, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Technically it was not, but it was the first talking. That's right. It was the first with audio and there were songs in it. It it most surely yeah. was the first with color as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it you know, it did do a lot of firsts, but as far as the feature length part goes, mm-hmm. it wasn't. But boy, did it did it make a difference. Yes. It's so so much work went into it and they used all kinds of new techniques and Yeah, the uh the cells all um oil painted, I believe, which <laughs> my goodness gracious. <laughs> and I believe Disney continued to do that until one hundred and one Dalmatians when they changed it up a little bit to save time and money. And I remember this is this is unrelated, but sort of I remember hearing in a, uh, at one point that Disney was not a big fan of of that movie. Yeah, he felt like it that. looked messy. Yes, which I totally I can see it. I understand why he thinks yeah. why he thought it was messy. If you look closely enough, you can see some like sketch marks too. Yeah, you can see where lines were erased, and mm-hmm. I always felt like 101 Dalmatians was kind of gritty. Yeah, it you know like the snow always seemed sure, gritty, though. and yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I agree. I really like it for that reason too. From then on, Disney would continue to have ups and downs, but never to the same worrying extent again. The next film, Pinocchio, considered by many to be Disney's masterpiece, would finally and truly solidify his place in animation royalty. Nice. Nice. And the rest is history. So, we just wanted to do kind of a brief overview of the history of animation in movies. But... We're going to do a lot more episodes about animation, and we are going to kind of pick up on a later later timeline of Disney. Yeah. We probably won't focus solely on Disney Studio, but we have some other studios we're going to focus on. We're going to do some nice episodes about. But also, one thing that I wanted to say, too, about Windsor McKay, one last thing, was that... All of his work was almost completely lost and no one would have remembered. And it was actually only discovered by by mistake. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. His son just gave away all of his films to his fa- one of his, a friend of his father's. And that friend put the films in a tin in the garage. <sighs> and they sat there for years and years. And this stuff depreciates. It's not like yeah. you need you need yeah. to like you need to keep it in a nice you place. Need to take care yeah. of it and yeah, and so it sat in in there for years and years until that guy's son, you know, hey, my dad was a filmmaker. He brought over a, a wow. big film guy. Hey, help me make sense of some of this stuff in my dad's garage. And they <laughs> opened it and they found it and they immediately understood how important yeah. this was. And so they transferred it all. They made copies, and yeah. then now it's in the Library of Congress. Wow, nice. That's good. Uh, yeah. Um, you can you can Google some of the Gertie the dinosaur mm-hmm. stuff. I've seen there's those are on YouTube. They're they're a laugh and a half. It's so cute. Yeah, there's one where she eats a whole tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not the not the leaves at the top like you'd expect. <laughs> just the whole thing. Yeah. That's fine. And when you think about how the movements were so smooth and the yeah. animation was so polished and just the the idea that the characters were animated in a certain way so that you understood their personality, that's, I mean, 
it was a long time ahead yeah. of what, what was happening at that point and yeah. then wouldn't come back until the time of Disney when, you know, Disney put all of his money and effort into this movie, into Snow White, and, and it was a huge gamble. But once he did it and was successful, he had the means to be able to do it again and again mm, and again. That's right. Yeah. These guys had a lot of patience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, the history of animation is honestly kind of an uplifting one. It's really nice. You know, a lot of different people learning all of these techniques, becoming experts with that. Really, they just wanted to draw. And then they, you know, suddenly they they stumbled upon this amazing thing that we're still talking about. And we, you know, and now today, it's so much more respected. And, you know, Mm -hmm. these movies make billions of dollars. And there's so many so many animators out there now mm-hmm. yeah if you're looking to get into animation make sure you have a steady hand and <laughs> a lot of patience oh yeah but it's really really cool yeah. i love animation definitely my favorite um you know obviously animation spans genres so i can't say it's my favorite genre mm-hmm. but i would watch an animated movie over a live action movie more than 50 percent of the time <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah, yeah. There's an animated movie for everyone. There's one in every genre. If you do not like animation, I honestly, I, I implore you to find one that you like mm-hmm. because it you exists. will. If you try, you'll find one that you like. Yes, yeah. they make them for adults. They make them for kids. They make them for people in between. They make them for families. Honestly, mm-hmm. it exists, guys. There's a clay. There's an. There's a stop motion movie about mark twain oh yeah (laughs) there is an animated movie for everyone yes there is it's creepy as shit too it's so scary (laughs) yeah but again for everyone there is something for for you Uh, yeah we don't know yes exactly so this kicks off our month of animation hooray we hope you guys enjoy it and thank you so much for listening i think this is another case closed yeah Almost. Yeah, I think I was late. Nah, it's all right. So (laughs) it sounds more like something's closing when there's two clacks, I think. Uh Yeah, Yeah. there you go. So if you liked this episode, you could follow us on Twitter at Blackcase Diary, on Instagram at Blackcase Diaries Podcast. We have a website, blackcasediaries.com. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash blackcasediaries. Check out our uh, merch. Yeah, check out our Redbubble if you'd like. What's that link? That is redbubble.com slash people slash Diary. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Goodbye. See ya. Bye.